Welcome to the Rehab Lab. This podcast is powered by Elevation Medical with the Pisa Wave 2. And I'm your host, Joe Lemon. And so today's guest is with veterinarian Dr. Megan Buchanan at the Holistic Veterinary Care based in Oakland, California. And so Dr. Megan is from that mid-Atlantic area, similar to myself. I'm from Pittsburgh. She's from Maryland. And she attended veterinary school at the Regional College of Veterinary Medicine at Virginia Tech. After graduation, she moved to the South and had a more advanced training when it comes to canine rehab and fitness to the University of Tennessee. Now, she's certified in acupuncture as well as medical spinal manipulation. And so this is one of those conversations I found really intriguing because it's a lot about how you can blend traditional general practice as well as with a more integrative medicine. And it's all about getting your patients the best outcomes. And I was curious of why she got into this blended approach of medicine and trying to care for her patients. And she shared a quick story about, you know, this one challenging case where it was a Female head osteotomy, um, FHO, and she found that having this integrative medicine was able to really expedite the healing process for a patient. So, you know, uh, I think you guys will enjoy this, and really, I would love to get your feedback on this podcast. So, please go over to Spotify or Apple or Amazon, wherever you're listening to this actual show at. Leave a rating, leave a comment, we'll let them know what you love about it, what you hate about it. And if you're interested in learning more about the actual Pfizer Wave 2 vet focused shockwave therapy, don't hesitate. Go over to Elvation USA vet. That's E L V A T I O N USA vet.com. Okay, let's get into it. We were just chopping it up right before we press record, and you are loaded over there at your clinic. I mean, I heard at least a good. I mean, it's like it's like the biohacking of biohacking <laughs> facilities. It seems like so. Um, I'm excited to kind of dive into all these things that you guys have been doing. But maybe let's kick it off with this. Let's start off with your origin story. Like, how did you get into the space? What drove you to get into this holistic care option, opposed to maybe taking on surgery or some other uh, traditional pathways? Um, yeah. So after I graduated from vet school, I started working in general practice um, and. Like every veterinarian, there were a lot of um, animals that came into the clinic with kind of terrible, sad stories. Um, and I ended up with one of them who had been injured and um, needed an FHO. Mm. And I took it on being like, oh, I'm a vet. Like I can handle this recovery. And um, Natty ended up not doing well after her FHO. Mm. Um, and NC State had just opened their rehab service um, at the time. And so I was able to get her in. And within a week, uh, they had her like walking on the leg, um, and she went on to do great. And that's pretty much what hooked me. Cause I was kind of amazed that one week of this physical therapy stuff did what I couldn't do with like a four year veterinary medicine degree and a couple years of experience. So, hmm. um, pretty much from there on, I went on to do rehab certification. Um, and then over the years I've accumulated other things like acupuncture and, spinal manipulation and things like that. So, um, it's something that I really have loved to do. Um, it's just so much to learn. It's kind of like a constant <laughs> drinking from the fire hose of information, but it's, it's been good. No, no, you know, you know what, uh, I think that's awesome. I, almost everybody has a story that kind of spawned them into this world, right. Where you're kind of looking for non-invasive ways to go about treating things. And, um, yeah, so talk about the education piece, because you're right. Like there's a lot of companies that are popping up and I see different programs at different universities, but how do you kind of sort through like, okay, this is the one I'm looking for. They're going to be able to help me, you know, help my clinic achieve certain outcomes. Like if there any, is there any type of vetting, you know, process that you go through with that? 
Um, it's definitely tricky and it, it's gotten harder, honestly, as time has gone on. Uh, when I first looked into rehab, there were pretty much two options, one at Tennessee and one in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tennessee for me at the time I was in North Carolina. So that just was kind of closer for proximity. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, I think as more and more people get to know, like, what these options are and how well they can definitely work. Um, there do seem to be more and more programs popping up. When I was in school, I remember we had one weekend elective course that talked about alternative therapies, and that included everything from rehab to acupuncture to chiropractic to herbs. I mean, it was like show up on Saturday morning. So there were like 10 of us in there. Um, <laughs> and we had supposedly there was a mythical underwater treadmill somewhere you know, in the building that we never saw. So, I mean, it really is, you have to take it upon yourself, I think, as a veterinarian, it's gotten, it's probably gotten better since I came out. But at the time, like, if you wanted to know those things, you had to take your own time Mm. um, and your own money and, you know, kind of go seek those programs out. So um, there's definitely a lot of options out there now, which is nice, um, you know, but it, it probably is hard to kind of sort through, like, which ones you want to do and what the focus is. And I think a lot of times it's also just, you know, proximity scheduling because all of us are usually working now full time. <laughs> Gone are the days of having nothing to do but sit in class all day. So a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. We were talking a little bit too prior to, you know, prior to getting into it. And just the whole idea of having time to yourself was I felt like I was busy already. You throw a baby <laughs> in the mix. You're like, <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's like a whole different time shift of what it means to prioritize different things. So, um, you, you know, when we think about maybe the best place to start, just thinking about the audience and people that might be tuning in, listening, like, okay, where should I start the education process? Is there any recommendation to maybe kind of fast track that for them a little bit? Um, I may be biased, but I, I think starting with like a good rehab program is kind of the best way to get to get started, you know, the acupuncture and the other things that I've done, you know, have definitely kind of spawned off of that rehab exposure. So, um, and in my mind, like that is going to be your foundation that you build everything else on. So, you know, acupuncture is a great modality and can help with pain management. Um, but it's not going to alone build muscle or improve flexibility or anything like that. So, you know, I think for people starting out rehab is, is, maybe the harder, but better place to start. And then, you know, kind of add on from there. Yeah. 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 I'm hundred percent with you on that. And, you know, when we think about um, just the, the industry and how things are kind of evolving, I think acupuncture, obviously it's for a lot of people were like gravitated towards. And, um, you know, we obviously linked up because through Cindy, uh, because you actually purchased an actual Pisa wave about a year ago. And so what were you doing before? Was it mainly acupuncture when you wanted to treat certain muscle skeletal issues? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, I've had a laser in most of my practices that I've been in. So, um, I've had that for a long time, but when it came to actual like muscle issues or tendon or, you know, uh, pain, a lot of times acupuncture was what I was using. Um, and I went through an acupuncture program, excuse me, that was fairly Eastern medicine based, which was useful, um, and was like a whole different way of thinking, but I found it kind of challenging sometimes to apply it to what I was seeing and palpating on my patients. So, um, the shockwave has been a nice option to, cause I can either use it traditionally on like those traditional Eastern points, or I can use it more, um, based on like what I'm feeling in muscles and, and joints and stuff like that. 
Love that. And for my own education here, what is the biggest difference when it comes to the Eastern approach, when it comes to acupuncture? Because I've, I've heard that numerous times from my clients. And, and obviously I'm working more on the human side of the business and you know, I work with PTs and chiropractors. People are still in that holistic care um, you know, space. But like, I know there's, there's, there's a separation between how to look at doing like the dry needling even versus the acupuncture um, thought process. Could, could you dive into that just a little bit? Um, so it's funny. I think honestly, it's kind of a spectrum. So mm. you can be like very traditional and, and we have an acupuncturist in the clinic, <coughs> excuse me, who that is, that is how she practices. That is how she makes her diagnosis. That's how she chooses her points. Um, you know, she works on a totally traditional Chinese medicine basis. And then you can be, you know, very kind of Western in your um, points and kind of select on like where the problem is, what, you know, the underlying causes, where the issues are. Um, and I think there's a huge space in between where you can kind of do a little bit of both. And that's, that's honestly kind of where I am when I acupuncture is, um, you know, I still am very Western thinking in my, my head and my thought process when it comes to making diagnosis and treatment plans. Um, so I definitely will focus on the areas that I know are a problem, but, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, definitely there's some things about it that work really well. And so a lot of times I'll do some traditional points as well. So, um, there's definitely a spectrum. And I tell my clients, like, if you go to four different acupuncturists, you will probably get four different types of treatment because okay. everyone kind of has their, their own way of doing things. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's kind of what I've been hearing a lot is that like, you know, it depends, it depends who you actually work with. It's kind of the art form, I guess, of acupuncture into it as well. And, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm assuming here that the Western is more of the science, like is more diagnostic where you might use some imaging even. Um, uh, is that something that you guys were doing prior to doing acupuncture? Did you guys do any imaging of the tissue? Um, yeah. So, I mean, we don't, I have a radiograph um, machine in house and I tell clients like I love to see x-rays. Like, again, I'm, I'm still very like Western in my like thought process and workup and diagnostics. So like, I definitely want x-rays. Mm -hmm. um, we can definitely work without them, but if given the option, I would take them. I don't have the skill set to musculoskeletal ultrasound, although that's definitely like on the bucket list of things to do one day. Um, but that I think is a great tool. We have a couple of radiologists in the area that'll do that. So if I can get that information for muscles and tendons and things like that, that's always super helpful. So I definitely like to kind of accumulate as much information <laughs> as I can. Um, and then kind of roll that into also just what I see and feel on exam and, and what the clients give me as feedback from home. So that's awesome. Okay. You, you know, all right. So I, I can't lie. I'm, I'm uh, chomping at the bits to get into this. Uh, I'm curious to see how you guys are implementing the whole shockwave. Um, you know, so maybe kind of starting the beginning of where you, when, when you first got your hands on it, how you um, evaluated it to how you guys might be using it now. Maybe kind of walk us through that a little bit. Uh, yeah. So originally there was a discussion um, at the clinic about potentially buying a, a second laser. Um, and we were just having such a fairly high load of rehab clients come in, um, you know, it's for chronic pain, post-ops, things like that. Um, and I had seen a lot of information of shockwave when I went through rehab. Um, we talked about it, but at the time the units were really big. They were really loud. You had to sedate the dogs. Um, and I think I had saw, um, I followed Deborah Gross on her Instagram and I think I saw her using a shockwave, 
um, one of the PZO waves. And so I brought it up to um, my boss as kind of an alternative. To, so I was like, instead of getting a second laser, let's try this. It's supposed to have some, you know, useful benefits. And I, you know, thought it'd be kind of a nice option um, and to do a little bit more work with like muscle and, and trigger points and stuff. So uh, we ended up purchasing it um, and trying it out. And I think my, my staff, it was new to them and there was, they weren't skeptical, but I mean, they were just kind of unsure, I think of exactly what to use it for. So um, we primarily used it for trigger points, sore muscles, arthritic joints. Um, so we had it for a few months. And then honestly, I went out on maternity leave. And when I came back, um, they were all like, this thing's amazing for <laughs> like, particularly arthritis. And so now I think um, they're using it a lot um, on our older, we, we have a lot of chronic um, like arthritic dogs that just come to kind of come to us for maintenance care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're using the shockwave a lot for that. And I've started incorporating it more into my um, acupuncture sessions where I'll do kind of a mix of acupuncture and, and body work and trigger point therapy. So. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really good. You know, because um, the using it for the pain management piece of it, especially in like, you know, older populations, I, I'm what's your, what's your thought process of why that works out well, the way it does, you know, for, for helping out um, arthritic joints. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think just the, the sound wave and honestly, I feel like it just penetrates a little deeper. It gets into like, especially things like hip joints, um, and deeper muscle bellies a little bit better. And and we feel like the effects have been lasting, um, a little bit longer than the laser and they're a little more obvious pretty, pretty soon. So, I mean, we've literally had clients who, um, you know, bring their dog in, and if it's the first time they're getting shockwave, the techs will kind of go over that with them. And then, you know, the owners leave and they come back next time. And they're like, whatever you guys did last time, like, let's do it again. Cause they noticed a pretty big difference. So, um, hips, knees, elbows, it's been, been really great. Um, and is kind of becoming our, our go-to and our laser is being more, I think for like post-ops and, and things like that now. So. Love that. Yeah. So is it something where when you're doing the arthritic joints, um, do you layer in other modalities? Obviously you said maybe like a little bit of laser comes in at some point, but yeah. What's some other tools that you might layer in there besides the shockwave or with the shockwave? Um, yeah. So the way we structure uh, most of our rehab appointments is that it's kind of a lump appointment. So, um, you know, the owners are scheduled for a amount of time, um, they pay a flat fee and then we get to pick essentially like what we want for that dog. Um, and that we kind of sketch out a general plan when they do their initial consult with me, but, um, you know, that can definitely change day to day depending on how the dogs are feeling. And so, um, most of our dogs will get either laser or shockwave, some kind of like pain management as part of like their warm up. Um, and then from there, Um, depending on what we're doing and their goals, you know, we have an underwater treadmill, we have a jetted pool so we can do hydrotherapy. Um, and then we're fortunate enough to have quite a bit of square footage for an actual gym. So we do quite a bit of land exercise physiotherapy as well. So they usually will get kind of a combination of things, um, again, depending on what they're capable of doing, what their comfort level is and what we're trying to achieve. Oh, I think I lost you. Oh, can you hear me now? 
Yeah, sorry. Oh, sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I was about to say this is exactly what I'm hearing a lot of the pro teams doing as well. Very, very similar setup. Uh, where they'll use either a laser or, or shockwave before they get into doing any type of corrective exercise. Um, and it seems to be that that's becoming the actual norm way to go about treating muscle skeletal issues. Is, is that because it's all about trying to increase circulation into the joint before you get into doing that corrective exercise? Is that the real, the real kind of um, science behind it or the actual thought process? Yeah. So I think, um, for, for us, it's kind of a combination of, of yes, like before they get going, we want to make them as comfortable as possible. I'm a mm -hmm. big believer that it's not really fair to ask an animal to do a lot of physical work if they're uncomfortable. So anything we can do beforehand. And a lot of times during that, that time period, it also gives the dog a chance to kind of settle, to get used to the, the tech that'll be working with them that day. Um, the techs a lot of times take that time to do some like massage stretching, mm -hmm. just kind of get an overall feel for how the dog is feeling that day too, before they kind of get into doing a lot of the exercise. So in addition to pain management, it's kind of like a nice calming bonding moment for a lot of dogs. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the appointment tends to be a little bit more, you know, up on your feet working going from there. That's yeah. yeah you know, I, I love the fact that you're thinking along those lines, because it really is holistic, right? You're like, you're thinking about the overall experience, um, you know, as, as they kind of go through it, because at least from my experience with a couple of dogs I, I have, it's like, they'll go if you want them to go. doesn't mean that they should go though. <laughs> right, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I, we get a, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you first. I was going to say, I mean, we, we see a lot of dogs that are either painful, you know, they've, it's post-op that everyone's been touching on their knee. It hurts. Like they want nothing to do with anybody. Um, or they're super nervous. Um, COVID has made some separation anxiety issues for some dogs as well. So like getting them away from their owners for treatment is sometimes a little, a little tough, tough. So, um, you know, we're really kind of in addition to just treating like their actual injuries, like um, I'm fear-free. Like we're very big on trying to make it as much of a pleasant experience for rehab. I mean, there, there's definitely situations where you kind of have to, to push through for the animal's own good, but for the most part, we like them to buy in <laughs> to what's happening. Um, and if, even if they don't love it, at least they're not like stressed out or, you know, trying to escape the whole time. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably, that's probably, uh, that's probably the way to go about it for sure. All right. So when we talk about the actual settings a little bit, I know it's going to vary depending on what you're treating, but let's just keep it with the uh, arthritic joint. Someone's coming in or, you know, you have a medium sized dog coming in uh, with some arthritic pain. Like what's some of the settings that you use on the pies away? Cause I, I think that's a challenge for some people when they're trying to figure out, um, you know, maybe where to start. And if you don't know off top, I'm, you know, I'm digging, but but uh, I know a lot of our, um, lots of on the human side, they'll look at starting super low because people get really sensitive to going too high, too fast uh, with the energy outputs. But is that the same, you know, um, ideas too in your world? Yeah. So honestly, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. We, we start with like the settings that we get from PZO wave, but mm -hmm. a lot of times we will kind of go based on how the animals feel and kind of what they'll tolerate. So, um, we def definitely tend to start low, um, because just like with like dry needling and acupuncture, like if you're too aggressive and you're too painful, they're going to want nothing to do with you ever again. So we definitely start low until we can kind of get a feel for like how the animal will handle the discomfort, um, you know, and then again, like where the problem areas are. So, um, 
we definitely like to try to bump up the power if we can. Um, but generally we're starting pretty low. Um, sorry, I think I'm trying to remember off the top. I think we generally start things at like the, the 0.5 power setting and then kind of ramp up from there, depending on how they tolerate it. So hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what we're doing on, on the whole human side. It's definitely like 0 0.3, 0 0.5. And then we kind of walk our way into whole numbers, you know, and it's a, it's a walking thing. A lot of times of how we're kind of getting into that, uh, you know, ramping up the energy for arthritic like joints and like pain management, especially, and, you know, um, all right, I want to transition a little bit here and talk about a little bit of the state of the union of this holistic animal care, vet care. Uh, so what's your whole thoughts about, you know, where it's going or maybe how, you know, your actual patients are, are they receptive to it? Is there some resistance? Is there some, you know, lack of clarity of kind of what are you doing to my animal whenever you kind of take them to the back? Like, why are you doing this? I'm just kind of curious what you're seeing out there. Yeah. So, um, it with, with rehab, I've worked a lot of different places. I worked like traditional I've done in home. Um, you know, when I joined holistic veterinary care, I was, um, a little nervous, I guess, about the holistic concept. Cause I, again, I still kind of consider myself a, a Western trained vet. Yeah. Um, and this place has definitely been unique and is amazing because essentially, even though the name is holistic, we pretty much practice the whole spectrum of medicine. So, um, you know, if they need x-rays, they get x-rays. If they need pain meds and NSAIDs, they go on an NSAID. Um, but we're also going to talk to you about acupuncture. We're going to talk to you about things like the ACC loop or pulse electromagnetic field therapy. We'll talk to you about herbs that maybe would benefit if you can't tolerate NSAIDs. So um, we pretty much kind of can offer and at least talk owners through like all your options. And I think a lot of times that's really what owners um, look for are looking for. And, um, we are scheduled such that like we give everybody that comes in for consults, they get at least an hour and an hour and a half, um, FaceTime with us. So it gives me a, a good amount of time to kind of explain everything. Um, sometimes we just end up going over like what already happened and then the plan moving forward. Um, but that FaceTime, I think really helps build a lot of trust and understanding. Um, and so then when it comes time to like, okay, you're going to, leave your animal with us so that we can do the treatments. They feel a little bit more comfortable with um, how things are going. They tend to understand like what and why we're doing the things we are, um, you know, and if people feel very strongly one way about medications or surgery or something, we have the time to kind of talk through like the pros and cons and, and, you know, figuring out exactly what that animal and that client wants as part of their treatment plan. So um, I think the, the idea of holistic sometimes in veterinary medicine has like a really, I don't want to say dirty, but I mean, it, it has like a very defined and sometimes polarizing response to it. But, um, I think like the space that we're in right now in Oakland is just kind of like, we're, we're open to it all. It's just whatever is going to be best for that particular dog, um, to get them comfortable and have a good quality of life. So. No, yeah, you know, we see the same thing on the on the human side is that, you know, I think that we're working more towards the middle of it. Before it was like, all right, you know, you're, you have your hard, people call it hard science, you know, uh, science back way. And then you have this kind of 
mystical way (laughs) (laughs) like which is like okay but now you can see more of the science catching up and things are working out uh and i think it's grabbing people towards the middle and and and, which is great i think that's i think because it's not that i believe one's right or wrong you know as long as there's some evidence behind it or that we can kind of back to make sure it's safe at least and you know but where do you see it going let's say you know 10 years out like you think this is going to be something like man majority of of like, you know, surgeons are going to offer more non-invasive options or something like, hey, you'll still have these specialty clinics that are going to be doing this, you know, this type of work that you guys are up to now. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's going to continue to become more and more widespread, um, whether that's just having surgeons and GPs just more aware of options to give clients. Like I, you know, I wouldn't expect everyone to know all the options are available, but to know that, you know, hey, you know, I talked to you about like your your dog towards cruciate, you say you don't want to do surgery. You say you want to do conservative management, you know, as a GP, I don't know what all your options are, but here's, you know, someone that you could go or resource you could use to talk you through like what your options are and what they look like. Um, So I think that will help the field grow. And then, I mean, on the surgical neuro specialist side, like we're definitely seeing, I think more and more um, of those guys actually putting in like their discharges and talking to owners about coming to rehab as part of like the prescribed post-op plan. Um, and that's nice. And that's even changed since, since I got out, um, and I first started and there was a lot of pushback from surgeons who were like, they don't need rehab. Like they'll be fine. Or, you know, or don't start rehab until like 12 weeks post-op or something like that. So, I think it's, it's becoming more mainstream where it used to be very kind of uncommon and niche. Um, and so that's, I think going to probably continue to grow. And I mean, hopefully when specialty hospitals and GPs, you know, look at building or renovating or adding clinics, like they'll include more space for rehab and, and those services as well. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And you know, it's um, I think you guys are in a really great place. I, I hear more and more places throughout the whole country, you know, uh, building in more of these rehab clinics. Or oh, there's a, a a local provider that everybody can like go and trust, and they can you know send pe- people there if they're looking for more of that non-invasive, conservative you know approaches. So, um, last question before we kind of have you you know wrap up and tell everybody how to find you guys. Uh, it, any advice to anybody that's getting into this? Like you know, take it back to as soon as you graduated. Um, maybe some things that you were like, man, look, this is what I would do. <laughs> avoid avoid <laughs> these headaches and maybe start here to kind of help you fast track your actual career. Um, best thing. I mean, definitely. I think it takes a level of, of love because it's a lot of extra work. Um, and it's, it's physical work. I mean, there's just no way around it. Like you're doing a lot of like lifting and manipulating, um, pretty much spend all my time on the floor. Um, so I think it does take a certain level of, of, you know, love to do it. And then, um, it takes some determination and, and push through cause it is, it's a bit of a learning curve and it's going to take a little while before I think you feel like you, you know, feel comfortable and confident. So if you can find, you know, a, a clinic where someone's already doing it or someone that's at least supportive of you. I think that's really important versus trying to strike out on your own. Um, especially when you're just first starting out. Um, and then my other piece of advice was, you know, don't, if you can not do it alone, like if you can have a team with you, 
Um, it also definitely kind of makes it easier. There's, there's highs and lows, um, sometimes pretty extreme too. So it's nice to have like a good support, whether it's physically helping you move a dog, um, or just being there for some of the tough things that sometimes happen, like with our patients that we've been seeing a long time, um, you know, that, that pass away or the animals that, um, you know, make a full recovery and do fantastic. So, um, it's nice to have people that are there with you for those kinds of extremes. That's that's a great takeaway because that was always something that was tough to kind of see and experience when I used to visit a couple, you know, clinics, vet clinics, I should say. And it was like, you know, it was a daily occurrence or, or weekly, at least I, it's from my understanding and, and uh, just understanding how you kind of shoulder that, that actual load, right? It's different than, than working in like in the actual physical side of rehab. You don't see that in clinic a lot of time, right? And so, yeah. so no, I think that's, I, I think that's a great takeaway. Have a, have a really strong team find a good mentor and that maybe you guys can all work together and, and then uh, avoid some of those uh, painful lessons that you'll probably learn anyway. You probably have to go through it regardless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but okay. So with that being said, please tell everybody how to find your actual clinic. And if they maybe want to reach out to you, if you want to share any, any of that info. Uh, yeah, so I'm at uh, Holistic Veterinary Care in Oakland, California. Um, our website is holisticvetcare.com. Um, you can email clinic. Um, you can try calling, but with COVID, the phones are crazy. So um, <laughs> email is probably the best way. Um, we're, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, um, all the usual social media platforms as well. Well, you know what, Dr. Megan, this was great talking to you. Just do the whole DMs at everyone. Don't try to call. Uh, just go through Instagram, <laughs> reach out that way. It's probably the best way to talk to anybody these days. So, right. <laughs> so with that being said, honestly, this has been a joy talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking some time this morning. I know how more how valuable those mornings are. And so, uh, <laughs> especially with everything going on in life and, and a brand new life in your house, I, I'm wishing you guys nothing but the best. Thank you.